Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the Airbnb crackdown here. I just spoke yeah. to the Housing Minister, heard Ravi Kalon. Heard your interview? Yeah, and it was interesting because you got the opposition now saying, well, hang on, you guys have gone too far here. Give people a little bit of wriggle room here. Let them have one investment property on the side. Make a little money. And the other thing they've said is, look, when you have major tourism events like the World Cup or the Taylor Swift shows a year from now in Vancouver, you know, maybe you should lighten up on these Airbnb (laughs) restrictions at that time. Listen to what he says to me here. This is Ravi Kalon a short time ago here. We have families that are living in RVs because they can't find a place to rent. And it's unfortunate that uh, the opposition doesn't quite understand the need for getting homes for people. They're more worried about Taylor Swift fans uh, and them being able to see a concert. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, I'd counsel Minister Kalon, be very careful of dismissing Taylor Swift fans. There's a lot (laughs) of fans out there. Um, On the other hand, though, uh, the NDP government... I think loves this that the, if the United wants to tie themselves to the development, the uh, landlord development investment community, investment community which yeah. is a very small portion of the voter base, uh, their view is fill your boots with that. Sure, go ahead, yeah. uh, tie yourself to the the investment uh, property people, because that is not where the voters are. Uh, so, but again, I'd caution him in making light of Taylor Swift. Yeah, <laughs> beware she, the Swifties she, there. She is huge. Yeah, I get a Swift, but, you know, Swift reaction. Uh, Taylor Swift three nights concerts. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a huge tourism event, but FIFA yeah. is a long, you know, several weeks. That goes on for what a month yeah. and a half. Yeah, so that's a that is a significant uh, uh, tourism drop. But the, the, he also said to me though, how is that supposed to work? Like you're saying that if you own a if you got a rental property, you're renting it out long term to someone. What you're supposed to tell them they have to leave during the World Cup because you're going to rent it out. Well, I don't see I don't know, how is that. Supposed I don't to work? see how people would do that. Actually, no. uh, you, we've discussed this before. We've had landlords phone and say you can't just tell someone to leave. It's oh, very yeah. hard to to evict someone. So I'm not sure that's a that's a, an argument to, to be made here. But uh, again, we're still waiting for the regulations on this bill, yeah. the fine print, the details, the small print. Um, so we don't know what exemptions are going to be there. I still I still suspect, based on conversations with people in that ministry, that there are going to be some exemptions to yeah. this for special circumstances. But we won't know that until the fall. I also detect the same as you that the government likes the politics of this too. Like I haven't seen any recent uh, detailed polling on how people feel about this crackdown, but I suspect a lot of there's a lot of people obviously would agree with it. Very few people right? own investment properties. Well, yeah, very few people. Yeah, uh, the vast majority of people, and we've had people phone into this segment all the time who are that guy in North Van earning eighty thousand dollars a year and he can't find a place to rent. Yeah. That's where people are, yeah. is trying to find places to live, not to invest. Yeah, yeah. Gets that to call well, me on so that So the NDP loves the politics of this. Yeah, sure. I think so, too. Let's talk about the disappearance of a sex offender, Randall Hopley, walked away from that halfway house uh, in Vancouver on Saturday. He was scheduled to go on trial yesterday, and now there's a Canada-wide manhunt for this mm-hmm. guy, still looking for him. So listen, let's listen to the op- opposition on this one now. BC United MLA Eleanor Sturko, she was also a guest here earlier on the show. Here she is commenting about this very disturbing case here. Let's listen. The Premier and certainly the Attorney General should be not just trying to blame Ottawa, but perhaps looking into the circumstances that we're dealing with as to how the decision was made to consent to a release for Mr. Hopley into the community. Um, because, you know, he's not the first person to cut off an ankle monitor and run away, but he is, I would say, a, an extremely rare case in British Columbia, one that has 
um, a lot of people on edge. So we interviewed uh, Attorney General Nikki Sharma yesterday, who yeah. said the Crown did seek incarceration yeah. for this. But the judge, it was, again, the judge made the, the call here. It wasn't the, the Crown or, you know, it was the judge said no. Uh, again, the judiciary is certainly not in line with what the Crown's looking for in a number of these cases. And this isn't the first one. Re- repeat offenders of other offenses routinely released. The judge is pointing to federal uh, guidelines and Supreme Court of Canada guidelines in terms of sentencing. And so this is a a problem that seems to run right through the system. So EB, I think, David EB, the premier, started pointing fingers at the parole board. Parole board issues, same thing, it's got nothing to do with them. Mm -hmm. Sturco correctly pointed out, don't blame Ottawa for this, but I think Sharma corrected the the record saying, no, the Crown did seek uh, jail time, but uh, again, the judiciary made the call here. Yeah, and it, not the first time, not the last. Time. Well, it happens a lot, and, and in fact, Sturco told me that the the, st- the statistics on this indicated that it's like half the time mm-hmm. the judge is overruling the crown. Yeah, the crown asks, "Keep this guy locked up." The judge says, "No, I'm letting him out." That happens half the time. Yep. No, so, Sturco's right. I mean, yeah. uh, and again, and go back to bail reform. It's still mired in the Senate. Yeah. These these reforms to bail reform, uh, it's uh, it's a, a problem in the system that's not going away overnight for sure. Yeah, and and I'm, on a bail reform, just to remind the listeners on that, the, the bail reform that's stuck in the Senate here would would introduce like a reverse onus into mm-hmm. the system, where an accused would have to prove why they should be released, not the other way around. So the burden would not be in the crown now, no. but it would be on the accused. Yeah, and that's not now that's in cases of violent. Offenders, violent and repeat offenders. Yeah. So it's that's not your everyday, you know, one-time yeah. uh, offense. These are these are chronic offenders, and for some reason, the senators again. Eb made the, p- the point last week, saying it's another good case to abolish. Another good reason to abolish the Senate. Yeah. If the Senate's actually holding up something that the crown, the, the federal government wants, and the provinces want, is. You know, ridiculous. Okay, let's talk about the federal carbon tax here. Now, this one blew up in, in Ottawa yesterday. So this all started, of course, with Justin Trudeau, uh, that carve out the pause on the carbon tax on home heating oil. For Atlantic Canada. For sure. I mean, you know, the politics on this are very transparent, oh, right? Yeah. You know, like he's he's got, what, 13 MPs on there, normally very safe seats. Now they're running behind in the polls. So he gives them a carbon tax break. I mean, that's what happened. They're running behind everywhere. Yeah. So again, this this desperate attempt to appease the Atlantic, pro- the dependencies of Canada, the Atlantic provinces. Uh, he's running behind in BC. Yeah. His MPs in BC are in peril, uh, serious uh, jeopardy of losing their seats. Carla Qualtro in Delta uh, should be telling the Prime Minister, you know what, you better do something on on home heating in BC. You think she's in now, trouble? I think I think they're all in trouble yeah. in BC. The polling yeah. shows that uh, the conservative wave is sweeping through uh, Canada. So, uh, uh, home oil heating is relatively very few homes in BC. Less you and I talk about this. What, what one point eight? Less than two percent. Yeah. yeah, less than two percent. Uh, but increasingly, you're seeing premiers, even you know, Premier of Manitoba, looking for uh, much broader exemption on home heating. It's not just Daniel Smith and and you know Scott Moe calling the the plays here it's NDP caucuses across the country with the exception of BC i've got a column out this week that says basically points out the BC NDP are the staunchest supporters of the carbon tax as it is right now yes in in the entire country yes 
And I think that's going to change. Yeah, interesting. Let's listen to pollster Nick Nanos here on this precise point. Like, why did Trudeau do this? This carbon tax pause and home heating oil, he points out here, this is about politics. Have a listen. The Liberals are poised to lose seats. If an election were held today, they could lose upwards of 13 seats in Atlantic Canada, which is usually bedrock support. So this is about the Liberals trying to salvage the political situation. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, like I say, they're going to lose seats in B.C. Yeah, They're going to lose seats in Ontario, Yeah, uh, which begs the question, why aren't they doing a similar measure for those, those two provinces? Exactly. Okay, so Canada's premiers gathered yesterday for meetings, and they issued a, a unanimous communique on this, saying that the, this is unfair, what Trudeau has done here. So let's listen to two premiers here. So you're going to hear Tim Houston, uh, Premier of Nova Scotia, and Alberta Premier Danielle Smith here. Let's listen. One immediate action uh, that we discussed as premiers that can be taken uh, to address the affordability challenges uh, that uh, is to ensure that all Canadians are treated fairly. All this is doing is just causing unfairness, making life less affordable, and really harming our most vulnerable as we get into the winter season. Trudeau, though, not indicating he's going to budget at all on this, though. Well, Do you think he will, though? No one saw him, what he did with Atlantic Canada. That, yeah. that came out of the blue, out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, even though we knew the polling showed Atlantic Canada was in jeopardy, yeah. and the polling ta- the carbon tax was an issue there, but no one foresaw that Trudeau was going to do that. So I think uh, all bets are off in, in terms of what Trudeau's going to do here. He yeah. can do anything. I yeah. mean, they're, they're in desperate straits. Yeah, and I think they're going to get more desperate. So y- there was a vote on this in the House of Commons yesterday. So and this the, was... The bloc sided with uh, the Liberals. Yes, indeed. So the, the bloc Québécois saved Trudeau's bacon here on this. There was a vote on the carbon tax in the House of Commons yesterday. The NDP, as you pointed out, the federal NDP did a team up with the Conservatives here. Yeah, so the on federal this. NDP, the Alberta NDP, the NDP government in Manitoba yeah. are basically all on the same page here, looking yeah. for exemptions for home heating costs right. when it comes to the carbon tax. The exception is the BC NDP, yes. uh, which I still think is going to change. I think the pressure is mounting on the government here to do something, either uh, a rebate check, yeah. perhaps, uh, or just some legislation, that, uh, which I don't think is going to happen. We're running okay. out of time in the, in the fall session. Bloc Québécois voted with the federal liberals here to defeat this carbon tax motion yesterday in the House of Commons. Listen to Pierre Polyev on it here. And who was there to save him? The separatists. So he's now signed on with the separatists to divide Canadians into two separate classes. Those who will have to pay carbon tax on their home heat and a small minority who will get a pause from the pain. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, the gifts keep coming for Pierre. Yeah, he loves this. Speaking of politicians who love this stuff, he loves it. Now he gets to align the liberals with the separatists. The separatists. (laughs) So, I mean, you can't make this up. It's a a gift for Poliev. Let's go right to your phone calls here at Baldry's Beat. Chris in Penticton. Hi, Chris. Go ahead. Hi. Yeah. um, In regards to this uh, sex offender that has uh, escaped from justice and is in hiding, um, I am a survivor from a prolific uh, pedophile. Harry Sod is the guy's name. He's in prison at this time, at the age of almost 80, I think. Anyways, uh, when I hear something like this, you know, all the work I've done through counseling and everything else, it actually causes my heart to skip because it brings back all those dreadful memories. And anyone who survived a situation like this, this is unbelievably hurtful, and it's terrifying. And that's all I really have to say. Thank you. 
All right. Thank you, Chris, for that call. And I think you're speaking out very courageously there. And, you know, this is a guy that police had said this guy is dangerous. He has a record of sexual crimes against children and he's a risk to kids, especially young boys. He abducted that child in Sparwood. And I forgot, but it was again mentioned as yesterday. Nikki Sharma, the attorney general, is from Sparwood. Yeah. And she was living there. Oh, when this happened, she said it brought tremendous um, hurt and grief to the community. Yeah, um, when when this occurred. So yes, yeah, so these are this is a very troubling case. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. And again, it raises questions about how was he let out? Like, how do you let a guy like that out? Mm-hmm. You know, and what about the effective? He was under a supervision order. The supervision was the ankle bracelet yeah, that he well, apparently had. Didn't have any trouble removing. So, you know, that's being questions as well. Michelle and Langley. Hi, Michelle. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Um, there seems to be some facts that are being omitted when um, carbon tax is being discussed that I think your audience would be interested in. So, number one, in the federal carbon tax, provinces like Alberta, like a family of four, is getting a reimbursement check of $1,544 a year. The other one is we are in this mess of having to depend on the carbon tax because Pierre Polyevre, along with Stephen Harper, in 2013, locked Canada into the FIPA agreement, Foreign Investment Protection Act, with the Chinese government, where China can sue Canada if we pass any laws at any levels which inhibits their profits, profits in, the national, um, uh, in the natural energy sector. So we are in this mess because of Pierre Polievre, so I find it quite fascinating that he's been able to redirect the media to think that it's all Justin Trudeau's fault, where it all lies at his feet. Okay, thank you, Michelle. Well, we hear this frequently that, oh, the carbon tax actually puts money in your pocket. Yeah, you know, <laughs> people actually get more money back in rebates than they actually pay in the thing. So if that's true... Why is he giving people a carbon tax break in Atlantic Canada then? So I think what Paulie is doing is taking advantage of an old-fashioned tax revolt. Yeah. That's all this is. Yeah. You know, cost of living is such that we... The, the, the national mood for a tax revolt was never there for for decades because yeah. we never had huge inflation or rising food costs. And so people are looking to say, how can I save money? And it's not so much on their spending as they will look in times of when we have high inflation at government taxation. So Poliv is taking advantage, I think, of a rising mood of a tax revolt, and the carbon tax is vulnerable. And it's a very, vul- it's a very visible tax yeah. as well. I mean, every time you gas up your vehicle, you're getting... Well, it's interesting, wow. BC United is also adding to this uh, their call for exemptions of the of home heating and the agriculture. They want to get rid of the provincial gas tax. Yes, yeah. Um, which is completely separate. Yeah, That hasn't got as much attention. I think it will. Tim in Kelowna. Hi, Tim, go ahead. Got 30 seconds. Yeah, good morning. Always like you, German. Um I, I'm always baffled by this carbon tax. It, we get taxed to death on this thing. It, uh, it, it, it just absolutely does nothing, and I see nothing from it. And, and but yet, here we are getting taxed on something that I have no control over. I can't stop driving to work. I can't stop heating my home, but I'm supposed to be taxed on it. Yet I see nothing. Thanks for the call. Yeah. So again, you're gonna. I, Seen a rising chorus of voices here as the carbon tax keeps going up every year. Every April first, it goes up again. Um, it's hard to see how that's going to be sustained. I mean, yeah. everyone in BC basically 
are going to heat your home through natural gas or electricity. And I think there's 900,000 natural gas users who have no choice but to use natural gas. And I just think eventually you're going to see the government, whoever the government of the day is, start weakening their position on the carbon tax. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.